Welcome to part three in our series of unfortunate conversations. This podcast is entitled Moon Cookies and a Lady's Leg. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. We've been talking these past few weeks about the church as the body of Christ and about the parts of the body within the church. Two weeks ago, we looked at 1 Corinthians 12. In this passage, we were reminded that each part of the body was important, right? Each part of the body God had gifted to help the whole of the body. There were no superstar parts. There were no dishonorable parts. We saw that though the individual parts are different, there's a unity among them that is crucial if the body is going to work the way it was designed to work. We are different together. We are individually cohesive. We are meant to live in community. We need one another's gifts. We share in the ups and downs of life. When one member of our body suffers, we all suffer. When one member in our body is rejoicing, all the parts are rejoicing together. I often picture my response when I cheer while watching a football game. When I read this verse for some reason, the one talking about when one part of the body rejoices, all the parts rejoice. In fact, specifically today, I envision the play entitled The Minneapolis Miracle, also known as The Minnesota Miracle. This was a play that happened in January 2018 when the Minnesota Vikings played the New Orleans Saints. Minnesota had been ahead in the game. We were up 17-0 at the half. And then, through a series of unfortunate events, with 25 seconds left in the game, it was under a half a minute, 25 seconds left in the game, we were down 23 to 24. It looked like we were getting ready to experience yet another playoff disappointment. All of us at our house were kind of sitting down in our chairs and maybe leaning a little bit back. But it was not going to happen that day. That day, there was no disappointment. That day, in the very last play of the game, Case Keenum threw a 27-yard pass to Stefan Diggs. Diggs was able to dig around the Saint safety Marcus Williams, which is a totally different discussion I'm not going to get into right now. But Diggs started running toward the end zone. I was yelling at him, get out of bounds, get out of bounds, get out of bounds. I want him to save a little time on the clock and allow us to come in and kick a field goal for the win. But Diggs saw the field differently. He ended up running to the end zone and scoring a touchdown as time expired for the win. Our house went nuts. We were laughing. We were crying. And we were jumping around. How does this relate to the body? Why do I think about this? Well, here's the thing. I saw the play unfold with my eyes. I heard the call with my ears. I sat still in my chair while the play was going on. And I held my breath while the ball was thrown. I watched the catch and my heart started to beat faster. I leaned forward while I brought my hands that were pressed together in mirror images up to my face. And then when the catch was made and I realized Diggs was not heading out of bounds, I started shouting, go, 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 which I can only imagine helped him tremendously. 
And then before I even really grasped what happened, before it really even hit me, oh my goodness, he scored and we won. My arms were extended above my head and I was crying and jumping up and down and hugging everyone around me and screaming, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. There was this automatic reaction within me. I didn't have to make a conscious effort to invite my arms to the party. I didn't have to tell my feet to jump or my mouth to cheer. I didn't give my fingers a heads up so they're going to be ready for the high fives, nor did I have to tell my eyes to cry. Instead, when one member of my body was rejoicing, the whole of it did it as well. This is the picture of the body of Christ when we rejoice together. Okay, that was two weeks ago. Not the play, our discussion on the body of Christ. Last week, we looked at Ephesians 4 and we talked about the importance of the body growing to maturity growing in its knowledge of the Lord. We saw that when the body of Christ is mature, it shows its unity with a knowledge of God that acts. It says the right thing at the right time. It looks for ways to encourage the other members. Each body part is doing its part to help the others. Both of these passages mention gifts that have been given by God through the Holy Spirit to people that make up the church for the betterment of the body and for the glory of Christ and the expansion of Christ's kingdom. Each person is gifted for the good of others and the glory of God. Do you hear that? Sometimes people think their gifts are for themselves. False. Each person is gifted for the good of others and the glory of God. Each person's gift was decided by God and given to them. So we accept the gifts he's given to us and we seek to use them to the best of our ability while being enabled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate the gifts in others and we learn from the gifts of others and we're encouraged because of the gifts of others. Today, I'd love to read from 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 11, as we look at yet one more place where the gifts are mentioned, these spiritual gifts. This book is not written by Paul, as the other two passages were. Rather, it's a letter from Peter written to believers that have been scattered about after persecution had intensified. These people needed encouragement. Perhaps we do too. <laughs> Peter writes, Above all, above all things, keep your love for one another at full strength, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift they have received, Everyone should use it to serve others as good managers of this grace of God. If anyone speaks, his speech should be like he's speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength that God provides. So that in everything, whether you're speaking, serving, encouraging, offering hospitality, whether in, so that in everything, God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. Because to him, belongs the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. P Peter wanted the people to see that they should speak God's words and serve with God's strength. He knew this would be the way they would be encouraged in the midst of the dark days. We can do that too. We can use our gifts to serve and encourage someone else. Your speech should bless another. Yes, this happens in church, during a Sunday school class or a 
Bible study or in the foyer, in the parking lot, or in the chair, in the pew, or whatever. Yes, this encouragement happens there in the church building, but it needn't be, nor should it be, limited to that space. We can always seek to encourage others all around us. Someone told me once, Kirsten, the gifts are meant to encourage and build up the church, the body of Christ, not other people. I agreed and disagreed with her. Yes, The gifts are meant to encourage and build up the church, but I disagree that they are not meant for the betterment of others because when we encourage someone else, we just might pave the way to a conversation where we can share with that person the reason for the hope we have within us. And the body of believers might right there be built up by one more member. I remember a woman I met once. I only saw her briefly for one day. But she was such an encouragement and made a huge impression on me. I still think of her often. I think of her when I see a young mom or dad struggling in a store with a toddler or two in their care and things aren't going real smoothly. I think of her, this lady, when I see others roll their eyes or make a wide turn to avoid the meltdown or the mania or the mess. I think of this woman and the way she brought the right word in the right way at the right time. Here's what happened. Winter days can seem pretty long when you're in the house with three kids under three. That was my experience anyway. So I often looked for ways to break up the days as cheaply yet as effectively as I could. I took the kids for drives. We went through the car wash. We brought picnics, in quotes, picnics to eat in the car as we sat in a parking lot looking at a snowed over park. We'd say, if it was sunny, what would we do here? (laughs) It's kind of depressing, but everyone thought it was fun. We went to pet stores. This one actually was my husband's favorite. He'd often take our kids there to occupy them while I taught piano lessons in our apartment or our house or wherever we were. I'd also take our kids to the local mall. Once I had three of them, I would either put the boys in the double stroller and wear Greta in her baby wrap, Or if I wanted the boys to move a little more and get a little more tired, or if it was nap time, I put Greta in a stroller and have them walk next to me, holding onto the stroller with their little chubby toddler hands. We'd go around the first level, take the escalator or elevator up, then go around the second level. We'd stop occasionally to watch people walk by or just sit on a bench, take a little rest. If the kids were good, meaning if they hung onto the stroller when they were asked to, And if they didn't ask me too loudly if somebody was a witch, if they didn't ask if somebody was a dragon, if they were really good, before we'd leave, we'd go over to Mrs. Fields to buy a moon cookie. Just a quick aside about the witch thing. Um, Besides loving nursery rhymes when our kids were young, they also were really into fairy tales. They love the ones with ogres or giants or witches in the story. However, we started running into a little bit of a problem when they started imagining every woman they saw was maybe a witch in disguise. They asked me a few times if maybe I was. They thought for a while, they told me this later, they thought for a while that maybe in fact I was. I kept telling them I wasn't. However, passersby didn't know this whole deal. So when one boy would say really loud, I think she's really a witch. And the other one would say, yes, but... In a disguise, the people didn't know we had just finished reading Hansel and Gretel and that this woman's long hair was bringing some pretty easy comparisons. They didn't know that. 
the person would just hear which and would look over and get really easily offended. And I kind of don't blame them. Because of this, I told them, okay, you can't call people witches, even if you think they are one for real. So back to the mall, sitting on benches. We don't call people witches, right? We don't ask them if they're dragons. We don't talk about body parts. We're not going to say shut up either. I mean, at this point, what's left, right? Which brings me to why a moon cookie was well-earned. It was tough to be two and have such a long list of things you couldn't say. Has anyone started wondering what a moon cookie is, by the way? Perhaps you think I mean to say moon pie, because that's a thing. I didn't. I meant moon cookie. Maybe you went to Mrs. Fields often. Maybe you still go there often, and you've never seen one of those for sale. I can assure you, you haven't. Let me explain. A moon cookie can come in any and every variety. Maybe it's a peanut butter cookie one day. Maybe oatmeal raisin. Maybe sugar or snickerdoodle or chocolate chip. A moon cookie can be whatever the mom wants it to be. Because this is what happens. The mom buys the cookie. One great big circle of a cookie of whatever she has a hankering for. Then, way above the little children's heads where they never see it happen, she breaks the cookie in half. And then, in order to create the perfect crescent moon shape, she takes a big bite of the center of each cookie, and with her mouth full of something wonderful, she hands them to the little boys who think they've gotten the special secret cookie that only their mom knows is for sale at Mrs. Fields. You're welcome. <laughs> this one particular day, there was quite the line at Mrs. Fields. I don't know what day it was. I don't know what time of day it was. I don't remember what varieties of cookies I had to choose from. I do remember what kind I bought. Everything that happened after what happened remains a blur. Because what happened does not. What happened is this. This particular day at the ball, I had chosen for our excursion option B, the one where I put Greta in the stroller and let the boys walk, and walk they did. They had a really great day. They had hung on to the stroller, holding on. One would hold on with his right hand. The other was on the other side, holding on with his left. They'd been so obedient, obviously, because here we were in line for the moon cookie. Usually about now, they'd start to ask, what kind of moon cookie is we getting gets? And usually, about now, I'd answer, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what it will be. I do know whatever it is, we will all think it is very delicious. Greta, fortunately, was too young to know what a cookie was yet, so we never had to worry about sharing it with her. Usually, about now, I'd start to wonder what kind of moon cookie I was going to get. And I'd start to wonder how long I was going to be able to keep this scam going. This day wasn't usual, though, because for some reason, my boys were distracted. The boy who had his right hand on the stroller was not looking straight ahead. Instead, he had turned and looked over at the woman on his left. She was perhaps in her early 40s, as best as I can remember. My son looked up at her face. My son looked down at her shoes. I frantically started to try to figure out what it was he found so fascinating. So I could tell him what not to say. I'm like, she doesn't look like a witch. She's not smoking. So she doesn't look like a man. She's not talking. I'm not sure. There's probably not going to be any discussion about body parts, dragons. 
There's no reason to tell her to shut up. So what is it that's drawing his attention? And I couldn't figure it out. And I felt sweat start dripping down my back. I saw the, the son to my right, leaning over, looking at his brother, who was looking at the woman at his left. I'm trying to figure it out. And I looked and I thought, you know what? I don't know what's about to happen, but I do not have a good feeling about this. So I started to try diversion because that usually worked great. Ooh, guys, look at the cookies. Oh, guys, look at that little boy. Boys, look at that stroller. Look at the wall. Look at whatever. Look at the floor. Look at your shoes. Look at anything. Just stop looking at that lady because I do not have a good feeling about this. But diversion at this point was not effective either. And then when I took my eyes off of him for one second and I looked into the cookie case to see what I wanted for my moon cookie this day, I heard a familiar noise. It sounded like this. It was the noise we found that had made Greta laugh. It was the sound of blowing on a little baby's tummy, but when I looked down at Greta, she was asleep and fully clothed. So I looked to my left to see what mom was doing that to their child in public, and instead I saw that it was my child that had just made that noise on the lady's leg that was standing next to us. He was laughing. His brother was laughing, and he started to do it again. I looked up at the lady and I started to apologize. I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. We've been doing that on their little sister's tummy, but I forgot to tell them that we don't do that on strangers' legs. Oh my goodness. How did I forget to not say that? I'm so sorry. She looked at me. She put her hand on my back and said, don't worry about it. I'm a first grade teacher, which honestly, I think was very magnanimous of her to act like that's one and the same thing. No big deal. I can't imagine she's having that happen during the school day. Okay, kids, let's say the Pledge of Allegiance, take lunch count, hand in your library books, blow my leg. I'm sure that wasn't happening. But what she was saying was this, I get kids and I get the unpredictability of them and don't worry about this. <sighs> we tested her one more time. I leaned down and I said to this little boy of mine, honey, that was rude. We don't blow on strangers' legs. Actually, we don't really blow on anybody's legs. Can you please tell her you're sorry? And as he was formulating his apology in his mind, the other boy, the one who was gripping the stroller with his left hand and had to lean forward to see this happen, he was standing right down on my right side and he was doing some really quick free association. And not in his mind. He was doing it outside of his mind. He heard me say rude. He heard me tell his brother that what he did was rude. And as soon as I finished my sentence, he began announcing in a town crier sort of voice, wooed, oh, that was wooed. And it's wooed to say, shut up. And it's wooed to say, you look like a witch. And it's wooed to say, you look like a dragon. And we never, ever said Peter to public. And I sure wasn't going to start some long litany about listing what's rude is also rude if you are, in fact, public. So much for that. Instead, I looked at the lady who was smiling by now and laughing and said, don't worry about it. And then she said, oh, your kids are so sweet. You're doing a good job, mom. <laughs> I didn't feel like either of her facts were true right then, but it was sure nice of her to say them. She sure knew how to give an encouraging word. She got her cookie and she walked away. And as I turned to watch her leave, I looked back and saw everybody else in line behind me laughing as well. My boys sensed the stage and started to dance and make funny faces. I ordered a peanut butter cookie because that was my favorite. And I ordered the one with Reese's cups in it, not caring that it was a little more expensive. 
I looked around at the people who were looking back at me. I broke the cookie in half. I took my two big bites out of the center and with my mouthful, handed the crescent moons to my two little boys and we walked away. I remember thinking, I bet I'll think this is funny someday. And I was right, I do. But even more than that, I look back with such gratitude for the sweet teacher who chose to encourage. What a sweet and gracious choice. And we can choose the same. We can choose to encourage. We can look to encourage instead of looking to be encouraged. We can look to bless instead of looking to be blessed. We can look to serve instead of looking to be served. And when we do this, the body of Christ looks more like Christ. And it's compelling. Once again, let's each one of us look for ways to live our lives for the good of others to the glory of God.